This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. A new head coach and boy genius, Mike McDaniel, the fastest cheetah to ever roam the football field, and an actual left tackle? Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. Before we jump into a fresh episode of Finsider Radio, Jake and Josh want you to please, please, please hit that subscribe button if you haven't yet. Subscribing to the show is the best way to know when Jake and Josh have something cooking in the kitchen iTunes, Spotify, it doesn't matter. Following helps others find the show, and we want to thank you for that. Now, let's talk some dolphins. It's Saturday, Dolphin fans, and you know what that means. The Dolphins welcome the Las Vegas Raiders to Hard Rock Stadium tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern. We are still not sure if we will see the starters, but we are going to bring you the players that we are most excited to watch this weekend. And we have a special guest with someone who Dolphin fans absolutely adore. But before we get into all that, let me welcome in the greatest co-host in the world, the one, the only, Jake Mendel. Jake, it's game day, baby. How are you doing today, man? Josh. Every day is a good day to talk about Dolphins football, and that just goes through the roof when it's game day. I mean, this is this is it, man. You know, we have our three preseason games. We're going on. We're at Wednesday. This is the hump day of the preseason is what we're about to experience. So, Josh, I mean, I'm pretty excited, mostly because you look at a team like the Raiders. They played a lot of their starters last week compared to a team like the Dolphins, and I think that might be an interesting place to start this little conversation we're about to have. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't realize that, and I think, um, you know, at this point in time, we still are not sure, you know, who who's going to start. I mean, we assume at this point, based on the week that practice that Tua had, that he is hopefully going to get some reps. We hope to see a bunch of the starters out there. But, um, I mean, when you look at this offseason and what the Raiders did, what the Dolphins did, I mean, these are two teams that are battling for the AFC. So, um, again, in preseason, uh, it is what it is. But I'm pretty excited. And uh, Dolphins' first home game with Mike McDaniel, I know we talked about He joked, you know, I'm excited about the Aqua Seats, but he just loves this fan base. This fan base loves the Dolphins. And um, like you said, anytime it's game day, we're excited. Yeah, and as you can tell, it's still kind of up in the air if the starters are going to play. And it's not even – for certain they'll play a quarter, right? We might see one series and things go really well or things go really bad and McDaniel wants to take him off the field. So Josh, 
before we welcome in our guest, I do want to touch on a few of these players that, hey, let's say, you know, the Dolphins. I mean, man, I don't know about you. I can't see the starters a quarter, a quarter max if we're very lucky, right? I think I went back and looked at how the Dolphins handled it. And again, it was Brian Flores at the time, but I do think they might've played two quarters in that second game. I think this was kind of like the dress rehearsal. So um, it's anybody's guess, right? I mean, you said it yesterday, uh, Mike McDaniel said, when you think, you know, the answer, I'm going to do the complete opposite. So um, maybe we won't see two, maybe we will, but I want to see the way this offensive line, you know, is shaped. Mm -hmm. I want to see Connor Williams. I know you keep hearing about the high snaps, you know, some of the struggles in camp. I mean, I'm excited to see what this offense looks like with him out there. See what Austin Jackson did like, build upon after last week because he looked improved you know he looked better but he still didn't look like what the 18th overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft so um I guess besides Tua I mean obviously we all want to see Tua I want to see how that offensive line builds on what they did last week because there are some decent pieces there but you know on paper you know heading into the season that is definitely a huge question mark and this offense just won't be the same if that doesn't come together and with that, Josh, I think it might be a little greedy to expect Teron Armstead up the, out there. But I think most fans, breaking news, we want to see what this entire unit right. might be like, right? We, we want to see what this unit looks like. We want to see them walk out of the huddle together, holding hands and not let a single person through that line. We're yet to see a Miami Dolphins offensive line do that. Uh, but Josh, you look at this group. I mean, let's just say for the sake of this argument, you got Armstead left tackle, uh, Eichenberg left guard. You got Connor Williams at center and then that right side of Robert Hunt and Austin Jackson. Uh, if someone like Tron Armstead can't play, is there any way this unit can be shaken up over these next two preseason games? Is there any chance we see someone else sliding at center or are you feeling pretty comfortable that this is the direction the Dolphins are going to continue to go in? Jake, the only competition I might see here, and I think it's going based off a video we saw yesterday. I know I added you in it, but Solomon Kinley had a couple pancakes in that last game. You know, he graded yeah. out pretty well. I mean, we apologize for giving out his jersey. Now we should apologize for apologizing because who knows what could happen. <laughs> so um, maybe let maybe there's a battle there at left guard. You know, Liam Eikenberg looked a little shaky. So that would be yeah. the that would be where I'm you know owning on on. But you're right, man. Teron Armstead put him in bubble wrap. Do not let him play at all this pre. And one of the biggest questions as we look at this roster and how they're going to, you know, slice and dice it down to 53 uh, players, Josh, wide receivers, you know, it, it, I feel like we get caught up in this every year, but I think this is one situation where we can kind of get a pass that the bottom of the wide receiver group, there is some talent to be found there. You look at what happened last week, Lynn Bowden led the team four targets, three receptions, 55 yards in that uh, very nice touchdown. And the long of 29, man, this is not an offense that's stinking and dunking. I just am so interested to see where that target share goes in the second half. I mean, we talk Dolphins all the time, Josh, and I'll still be honest. I mean, the fourth quarter of a preseason game, I'm completely zoned out. But this is one of the things that, you know, I will keep my eye on because is it going to be the Mohamed Sanu show again where he's going to get three targets or are we going to see Preston Williams actually get an opportunity and, and try to build up the trade value or make that one final statement about uh, joining this team? Because, man, right now, uh, Lynn Bowden Jr. and Trent Sherfield, those are the two that stick out to me as two guys who I think, you know, when we're talking five, six and the seventh spot in that receiver group, those are the guys that instantly my eyes jump towards. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think Trent Sherfield, you know, because of him being familiar with the system, kind of being that extra coach on the field and some of the plays he's made this offseason. I mean, let's be honest, some of those videos that we're seeing, some of the reports you're hearing, he almost sounds like he's, you know, almost etched in stone there as that mm -hmm. fifth guy. And then Lim Bowden, I mean, we talked about last week, he had such an impressive game. I'm excited to see the way he builds on that. But at the same time, you know, I'm wondering if, like you mentioned, if he, he has these, another big game, is his trade value just going to go up and they're eventually going to get a deal, you know, that they just, you know, can't 
that can't Laramie say no Tunsil to deal. Yeah. Two yeah. firsts, yeah. two yeah. seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Send them away. yeah. I mean, I, I would still probably reject that trade. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> I you know, know you and your receivers. Yeah. And if the starters play, I mean, I want to see the way Cedric Wilson gets implemented in this offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of talked about him being one of those guys that's kind of been quiet throughout camp, but I think that's just because he's consistent. And I think ever since we said that he's honestly starting to make plays and that's all you hear. So um, Eric Ezukoma, two catches, 18 yards last week. He was a guy that, you know, we're very excited about Braylon Sanders though. I think that would be the other guy that I really want to see later in the game, make those plays, continue to do what he's doing in practice, but um, that's a loaded wide receiver room. And I do not envy Mike McDaniel or Chris Greer for having to, you know, make those cuts because they're going to have to get rid of some talent or hope that they can stash it on the practice squad. Do you think, um, let's say the starters don't play, right? Let's say they keep the same group out last time this week. Do they include Mike Kosicki in that group or is he out there again? Would you, if you had to guess. And that, I, I don't know, man, I still am like a little up in the air on why, you know, he said, you yeah, know, he wanted let me to get reword him out it. There. Would you be concerned if he's out there again and all the other starters are, are you know, sitting, would that be a, a cause maybe not panic, but be like, Oh, something might be going on here. Yeah. I don't know if it'd be, you know, you'd be ready to chicken little, but you would definitely wonder how he fits in this offense. I mean, that's what we've been wondering ever since Mike McDaniel got here was, was he going to be able to, you know, fill that role of a quote unquote, George Kittle, do some of those blocking things. So that, I guess it would be a little bit concerning thinking, you know, maybe Mike is sick. He's not caught up to where he, they need him to be in this offense. And then at that point, you know, Hunter Long again has done nothing. He's been pretty much on a milk cart. Sorry. Happy birthday yesterday, Hunter Long. Um, uh, Tanner Connor, though, I mean, has he not made more plays throughout camp? I mean, you've heard his name more. You've seen him make three catches, 25 yards um, last week. So I would definitely be concerned. And then I'd wonder what the Dolphins plan is at tight end, because, you know, I don't think you get by with a I guess you get by a Durham Smythe. Right. I mean, he kind of feels like that Mike McDaniel type tight end, you know, that can do a little bit of everything, but definitely would be a little concerned, Jake. Durham Smythe like is is George Kittle if his hair wasn't on fire. I think that's probably the best, uh, the closest thing we're going to get. Uh, but Josh, switching over to the defensive side of the football, I mean, uh, the defense, I wouldn't say was great last week, but I think there were some guys who really stuck out. And one to me, man, is just nose tackle Benito Jones. I recommend everyone when you're watching that game, find 95 lined up over that center as fast as you can. Five tackles last week. Josh, one of them was on a four-yard run. The other four were for a combined negative two yards. This is a guy who I think can really command the center of a of a defense, command the trenches, and that just seems like a really refreshing twist when you have, you know, the big three in front of him that we've, you know, talked about till we're blue in the face. But I think Benito Jones can become, you know, that fourth, that fifth defensive lineman who, you know, early downs, the opponent's trying to run, maybe milk some clock. I think he can come in and, and have a pretty decent impact. He looks really comfortable just kind of the way he moves his feet through the trenches. He doesn't get caught up. Uh, centers try to, you know, take out his legs. He's a very strong guy who can kind of throw centers out of the way. If, if you go check out my Twitter feed, I actually have some gifts up of it, but man, he's someone who it's hard to find like people who aren't playmakers because you can look at the stat sheet, right. And see guys, obviously someone had seven tackles. They stand out, but Benito Jones, man, even if he doesn't get a tackle, you see him disrupting that unit. Yeah. I think we're starting and you know, it's partially because of that threat, but we're starting to become Benito Jones stands over here. I mean, we're, this is the guy that we're rooting for. I mean, as soon as Butler was released again, that was a guy that we thought would make some plays. Another position I want to see Jake is that linebacker. I mean, last week against Sam McGuavin struggled with tackling, but Channing Tindall, he did show up, you know, at three tackles, made some plays on special teams. I want to see him develop. And then you have to look at the secondary. I mean, at this point, you know, Trill Williams is out now. You know, Noah mm-hmm. Igbenogany didn't do much of anything last week. I want to see what Keon Crossing can do. You know, we've heard he's had a strong camp. He had a pass breakup, a tackle last week. Let's see what he can do there because 
again, on paper, you know, maybe heading into this year, I, you know, ignorantly thought that that secondary was going to, it was stacked, you know, loaded. And, you know, we were going to have no issues there. And, you know, as soon as Byron Jones went on the pup list and, you know, his, there's uncertainty surrounding his availability on week one. I mean, I want to see someone step up in that secondary because, you know, it's, it's Xavier Howard now, Nick Needham, and then, you know, a big drop off at that point. You were really hoping, and I mean, when we did our book club, we t- spoke about how Noah Igbenagini's path to redemption, it starts with just the opportunities, right? Uh, Trill Williams, I mean, we were talking more Xavier and Howard and, and like Byron Jones injury, but just having that opportunity on the field to make some sort of statement that the coaching staff can be a little more comfortable that, hey, if there's an injury, you know, week six where someone misses, you know, a half, a quarter, you can put Noah Igb- Igbenagini, excuse me, in there and be one of those guys. And we just haven't seen it, man. So that this week against the Raiders, I think we really got to start seeing something. I think he did have a couple good practices this week. Uh, but un- until you get that film out there, man, it's going to be really hard for him to get opportunities out of these situations like preseason, especially when you have someone like Crossan who, hey, He's making plays. He's out there. He looks comfortable. He's confident. Maybe you'd throw him in there for two quarters uh, in week six, whatever it may be, just because he just seems like he can do enough to not, you know, let the defense kind of collapse there on that back end. Yeah. And shame on me for not bringing up McKenzie Alexander. I mean, I don't know how much the playbook he has down at this point, but uh, it'd be nice to see what he can do out there on the field. And then I have to ask you, I mean, they should pretty much bubble wrap uh, Javon Holland, right? I mean, he should not. Yeah. That guy is a stud. I mean, how much, I guess my question would be how much of, if you were the head coach, you were Mike McDaniel, Jake, you know, you're implementing a new offense particularly, but also bringing a new piece on defense. What would you do? I mean, again, last season, it seemed like week two was a lot of teams uh, dress rehearsal, but mm-hmm. I, I just would feel so uneasy, you know, just putting out a Tyree kill, a Jalen Waddle, a Javon Holland, one of those guys that, you know, God forbid anything, I'm not going to want anything would possibly happen. I mean, some of that could just be, you know, the end of your season, if we're being completely honest, I mean, it would just, it would be scary. So what would you do? I mean, that that's tough, Josh, because no matter what game you're playing, if it's preseason, I mean, even if it's pre- like injury concerns are always there and I'm right there with you. And it's important to keep the perspective. See, there was three preseason games. There, there's used to be being four in the past. So if I, in my expert opinion, in my 28 years of uh, unmatched knowledge, I'd say, a drive, maybe two, depending on how they do. I'd do both offense and defensive. One drive, maybe two, depending on how everything looks. And then next week, uh, you know, you have, I think it's uh, close to 10, 10, 13 days, somewhere in that range between the final preseason game and opening day against the Patriots. So, man, I, I'd do a, a full quarter uh, ne- next week if we were to go that far against the Eagles. But that's probably what I would do. How about yourself? Yeah, I mean, that, that's that sounds about right. I guess my thing would be your having joint practices next week with the Eagles. Right. So, I mean, a lot of that competition you might be able to see in there that maybe right, you decide point. not to start those guys, but I think Mike McDaniel's honest when he says, you know, I evaluate it and try not to, you know, say talk in absolutes because anything could happen. So uh, anything could happen. One thing we did not talk about that uh, shame on me, but the running backs, I mean, I want to see chase Edmonds out there. I mean, I do want to see him out there, even though he's a de facto RB one, I want to see how this ground game works. Cause I'm looking at the numbers and, you know, Skylar Thompson carried the ball three times for 25 yards. Miles Gaskin had four carries for 27 yards, but other than that 20 yard run that he had off the left side, I mean, this offense, uh, that run game was pretty non-existent. I mean, I was stoked to see Zaquandre white and it says one carry negative five yards. So, Brutal. uh, I mean, when you brought Mike McDaniel in, we talked about how he was going to change his offense, change that offensive line and the run game. Um, you know, we hear in practice, you know, we know it's, it's working, but we didn't really see that last week. So I'm excited to see just how everything kind of comes together. And, uh, I'm excited for football, man. 
summed it up for me, man. That's kind of the point here. It's nice that, hey, even uh, Thursday night, I'm able to kind of sit back and just have a football game on in the corner. Even it's just hearing those whistles and (laughs) the commercial intro and outros, man, that that does it for me, at least, even though if, you know, I'm watching the fourth stringer on the Seahawks, you know, muff a punt, whatever it may be. Uh, But that's it. I hope you guys are excited for game day. Thank you for joining us. We're going to take a quick little break here. And on the other side, Antoine Staley. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. And Josh, one of the things we talk about a lot here on uh, the Finsider is the reason we got involved with this community is just via Twitter, right? We started building with this fan base and getting to interact with a lot of cool people. And I'm very excited to introduce one of those people right now, Antoine Staley. New York Daily News beat reporter. He spent a lot of time covering the Dolphins. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes to talk to us today, man. It's good to be with y'all again, man. I, love, I always love talking to both of y'all. Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, same here, Antoine. I mean, to be honest, you've helped me so much. And I, I always used to say I'm a big fans of all our guests that we had on this podcast, but I am a massive fan of you. So thanks for taking time out of your day to talk to us um, and answering our questions. Yeah, man. Of course, anytime y'all need man. All right, man. So the first question we had was, as a beat reporter preparing to cover a full NFL season, where do you find the importance in the preseason and training camp? And what do you want to see out of the players throughout camp? I think you just take what you see in the preseason with a grain of salt. I think I think for me, like in training camp, you like you kind of look at the young players and just kind of see where they are. Uh, the veterans, I don't think it necessarily matters. I mean, they've been through training camp in the preseason before some of them you know practice regularly some of them don't but you just kind of want to see what the rookies are the second year players third year players are and just how they're progressing like I think player progress progression is huge especially in any kind of sport especially in the NFL especially when you have a rookie that comes in usually they're like a fish you know out of water and then you know right. the second year it's like they t- they start to turn the corner, or at least you hope they start to turn the corner a little bit. So I think that's the kind of the importance of the preseason and also training camp for those younger players. To build on that, is it you mentioned the development is important, seeing them grow. Is is it obvious, you know, when you get there in in August compared to you know late August, September ish? When do you see that growth from in, in that amount of time? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you know. Just, you know, put it like uh, Elijah Moore, like I just wrote an article about him today. And then, you know, the the coaches have talked about just the way he's continued to grow. And then you're seeing it like just last year he came in, he's the third leading receiver on the Jets. And now, you know, he's ready to, I think, to take that next step and become their leading receiver there in his second year you know you got a guy Javon Holland with the Dolphins I mean he had an outstanding rookie year I love them coming out of college at Oregon and now I mean you know I know a lot of people you know been critical of two and interceptions but that man is a ball hawk so you know I definitely think he's gonna be one of the best safeties in the NFL eventually if not this year uh at least next year in the years to come but yeah he's coming and you know I definitely think the steps that he's taking at least coming into and doing in the training camp are gonna be huge 
Yeah, man, that's music to our ears. Another thing that Jake and I both enjoy is Pokemon. And this kind of quote <laughs> kind of really took us off guard when uh, Jets running back coach Taylor Embry uh, discussed, you know, managing the running back rotation. They said, I was describing it to my wife. I feel like it's Pokemon and you're just sending out your next Pokemon. So um, tell us what you saw out of that New York Jets backfield. And, you know, a lot of us are into fantasy football. If you're targeting, which guy would you target? Mike? Michael Carter uh, until he faints, or would you go after Brees Hall, you know, the young stallion who, um, you know, RB1 in this last draft class? I think Carter is going to be the starter, at least initially, but I think Brees Hall eventually supplant him. I just think he's has so much talent and just skills his skill sets just caters to the NFL game where he can catch the ball out the backfield. He can run for, you know, a long yard. So he broke off a 75 yard run today against the Falcons. I mean, you can take whatever you want to against the Falcons defense. But the fact of the matter is they're NFL defense and, you know, he ended up breaking for a long game. So, yeah, I definitely think Brees Hall is going to be those guys. He may start out slow, but I definitely think it, you could take a lower draft pick on him, and I think he it might pay off dividends later on. And, you know, they have a deep running back room, especially Coleman there, uh, Zonovan Knight, who, who was undrafted. And he has, you know, he has a chance to maybe make the 53-man roster because of his special team skill set too as well. So they're deep at the running back position in New York. You mentioned the depth of that position. Can you kind of compare it a little bit to uh, what the Dolphins have dealt with for the last couple of years? I mean, the off, the, the run game has been one of the worst things we've seen. Uh, and, and the running backs, you know, they're just trying to plug in a bunch of guys. You see them sign Philip Lindsay, Duke Johnson off the street. So can, can you kind of describe a little bit seeing like a, I don't want to say even a top tier, I refuse to be that kind of the Jets, but seeing a one-two punch like Carter and Hall compared to what the Dolphins, quote unquote, thunder and lightning has tried to be over the last couple of years? Yeah, I think uh, with the Jets, they kind of realized they needed a little bit more punch, too, um, in the running back room. I mean, it was good to get Carter, but mm-hmm. I don't know if he's necessarily an every down back. So they wanted to go ahead and improve that position and getting a guy like Brees Hall in the second round, who I, I thought was the best running back in the draft. I mean, it's huge. And just to have that, like you said, a one-two punch, I think you need a one-two punch in the NFL nowadays. I mean, you see it with the Cowboys I mean, the Dol- even the Dolphins have like a, I think a much better running back room there with the depth that they have uh, coming in this year and making more of an emphasis, especially with Mike McDaniel coming mm-hmm. from where he came from in San Francisco, and you know the value of having that running game to be able to take some pressure off the quarterback, and I think that's what you want to do. You know, you mm-hmm. want to have Zach Wilson not try to win the game for you. I think they're trying to just they understand the talent, they understand this arm strength, but saying that you don't have to win the game for us. You can allow the playmakers around you, including the running backs, to help you out um, throughout the course of any stretch. Speaking of Mike McDaniel and this new look Miami Dolphins team, um, what were your initial thoughts, you know, when your phone probably alerted you that the Miami Dolphins just made a blockbuster trade for Tyree Kill? And what do you expect out of Tua Tungavailoa and that Miami Dolphins offense heading into the season? I think they just surrounded him with talent. I think that's really the main thing there. I, I look, you, you can think whatever you want to about to it. I know a lot of people, a lot of people have polarizing opinions about him to say the Absolutely. least, but uh, I think he just, he's one of those guys, especially um, early on in his career. He needs a lot of help. He needs to have playmakers around him. And I don't think the Dolphins did a good job with that his first few years. And now, you know, they surrounded him with a running game. They improved the offensive line. They improved, you know, depth at the wide receiver position, obviously, Waddle Hill. I like the Cedric, Cedric Wilson, you know, acquisition too, as well, to go along with Mike Gusecki. So they're just 
saying, you know what, again, it's kind of like what I said about Zach Wilson is too, like, don't feel like you have to do too much. You have playmakers around you that can, you know, make plays for you. And to get a guy like a Tyreek Hill who can go out there and um, who is one of the best top five since receivers in football, I mean, it's going to be huge and to be able to stretch the field like that, like how they've been doing in training camp practices. I, I think it's going to be, uh, I think the pe- some people are going to be surprised at how, the Dolphins perform, especially offensively, especially week one against the Patriots. Man, that is absolute music to my ears. But before I get a little too ahead of myself, talk about week one and <laughs> correct me if I'm a little wrong with this, but part of, I think your identity on Twitter is it seems like every couple of months you're changing your profile picture and you always have a fresh new hat on, uh, you know, supporting different teams. But the one that always sticks out is that Raiders hat. I, I know you're a diehard Raiders fan. Can I get some thoughts on that team? And as Dolphin fans, what we should be looking for from them and what the Dolphins can do against them this weekend in terms of just getting better and hoping to see more progress. I think with the Raiders, uh, I mean, I think basically they're just, you know, you're going to get a guy like Devontae Adams. We talked about best receiver in the football. I think he is the top up mm-hmm. echelon receiver in football. To be able to have him, you know, Hunter Renfro and also Darren Waller all healthy, you know, again, taking pressure off the quarterback, feeling like they don't have to do too much. I think the Raiders, you know, especially with uh, – you know, new coaching staff and regime there. They feel like Derek Carr can be that guy potentially. They want to see if he can be the quarterback that can not only get them to the playoffs, but also get them deep into January. And I definitely think, you know, now this particular game, you might you might see a lot of young guys there. I think you can expect to see, you know, multiple running backs there. Kenyon Drake, uh, you know, I know a lot of Duff fans are familiar with him. Yeah, he'll be back in there. Uh, White is a running back that they picked up in the fourth round. I think you'll probably see a lot of him too as well. But I, I like I like the depth of the Raiders. I think they've improved defensively, especially on the defensive line, going to get Chandler Jones to go with Max Crosby. And, you know, they're they're thinking they can make the playoffs again, but that division is so tough where you got the Chiefs. Oh, yeah. You know, the Broncos have improved, uh, getting Russell Wilson. And then you got the Chargers there too as well uh, being – you know, with Justin Herbert and also improving their club too, going to get, you know, JC Jackson and the Khalil Mack as well to improve their defensive unit. Speaking of tough divisions, and this will be the last question before we wrap this up. Uh, Antoine, you cover the Jets. You know a lot about the Dolphins. Give us your expectations of how this AFC East shapes up. And um, I know it's way too early, but give us a season prediction for our Miami Dolphins, if you could, before we let you go. <laughs> I think I think nine, ten wins. I think that's about where I would have the Dolphins, too. I think mm-hmm. they're whether or not there's going to be enough for the playoffs, it's hard, especially when, you know, you have so many other teams uh, in the AFC and it's so stacked. But I think you're going to obviously see some ups and downs, too. I think the main thing is you just want to see – progress for two especially in clutch moments like he had he's had some moments of truth the last couple of years Mm -hmm. the game against buffalo in 2020 where they had opportunity to get into the playoffs and you know he ended up having one of the worst game of his career and then the tennessee game last year on the road when the freezing rain you definitely want to see him progress and be able to get him him and the team over the hump if he can then i think the dolphins will be a playoff team but I, i think buffalo is definitely the class of the division until proven otherwise i think they're they have a get a chance to get out the AFC and make it to the Super Bowl. I think Miami's second. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with New England. I, I, I don't necessarily want to doubt them. Some people are saying they're going to be finishing last place. 
That's tough. I, I think I think they, they really hadn't done a whole lot to improve their club. I do like Matt Jones, but I just don't I'm not in love with their roster. And I mm-hmm. do like I do like what the Jets have done, uh, especially in the draft. But they might be, you know, maybe a year away from making significant impact. But I, I think they'll win more than the four games and what they did last year. I think for key for them is to win some games against division opponents to get try to get a split against the Dolphins try at least get a split against the Patriots and be competitive against Buffalo. They got to go through that Brian Flores workout plan of you got to lose, you know, that, that tough season. And then you just slowly progress it and get a lot better from there. But Antoine, thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes here. Uh, Everyone. I'm, I'm sure most of our listeners know who you are, but at Antoine Staley on Twitter, inside the New York daily news. That's a paper I see around here quite a bit. Be sure to check them out. It's always great work. Antoine, thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes here to chat with us. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's good talking to y'all guys. You too, Antoine. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. All right, man. Love y'all. Love you, man. Take All care, right. man. Yeah, peace. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins.